Hello and welcome to Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Thursday, episode number 15. And real quick, if you guys have not yet listened to Dr. Ben Glad's podcast on Monday, he talked about the New Testament use of the Old Testament, going through some books that he's written, that he's co-written with Dr. Greg Beal, a lot of good stuff on when you see a quote in the New Testament from the Old Testament, what are the authors doing? This is a great episode to understand what the authors are doing, why they're doing it, and who it points us towards. It's not a new thing. It's actually a really old, more prophetic type of statement, a way of using the Old Testament to point us towards Christ and his fulfillment. So listen to that first. And we will move on with Catechism Thursday, episode number 15. And we are covering question and answers 37, 38, and 39. So let's get into it. The first one's a little bit longer. The next two are a little bit shorter. So question 37. What do you confess when you say that he suffered? Answer, during all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end. Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Thus, by his suffering, as the only atoning sacrifice, he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. So here's Ursinus's exposition of question and answer 37. The passion or suffering of Christ is placed immediately after his conception and nativity. One, because our entire salvation consists in his passion and death. Two, because his whole life was one continued scene of suffering and privation. And in relation to the suffering of Christ, belongs to the history of Christ's passion, agreeing as it does with all that had been foretold concerning it, and the wonderful events with which it was connected, teaching us that we too must enter into glory through suffering. And so he covers four topics. Four topics are explored. First, what are we to understand by the term passion? Or what is it that Christ suffered? Two, whether he suffered according to both natures. A big question. Third, what the impelling cause of his suffering was. And fourth, what the final causes and fruits of his sufferings were. So, the first question what are we to understand by the passion of Christ, or what did Christ suffer? And so, Rosanix explains by passion, we understand the whole humiliation of Christ, chiefly of the closing scene or last act of his life in which he suffered extreme torments both of body and soul on account of our sins. Why did Christ suffer? The privation or destitution of the highest felicity and joy. All the infirmities of our nature, sin only accepted, hunger, thirst, fatigue, sadness and grief, extreme want and poverty, infinite injuries, reproaches, calumnies, 
treacheries, envyings, slanders, blasphemies, rejections, and contempts. The temptations of the devil, the most reproachful and ignominious death, even that of the cross, the keenest and most bitter anguish of soul. But since the divine was united with the human, how does Christ become so oppressed and weakened as to break forth in such exclamations of anguish? Not that there was any separation between the natures of Christ, but because the humanity was for time forsaken by the divinity. The word being at rest, or quiet, as Irenaeus said, and not bringing aid and deliverance to the afflicted humanity until passion altogether sufficient might be endured and finished. The satisfaction or suffering which Christ endures differs from our sufferings in form the entire wrath of God, the cause the sins of others, not his own, and the end, the only ransom for our sins. Second question of this. Did Christ suffer according to both natures? This is a huge question, especially right now in today's understanding of Christ. Christ suffered not according to both natures, nor according to the divinity, but according to the human nature only, both in body and soul, for the divine nature is immutable, impassable, immortal, and life itself, and so cannot die. His humanity satisfied for the sins of men. The divine nature sustained the humanity of Christ. So the human nature suffered. The divine nature did not. So his third question, expanding on this. What was the impelling cause of the passion of Christ? His love towards the human race, the compassion of God towards those who were fallen in sin and death, the desire and purpose of God to revenge and repair the injury of the devil, who, in contempt and reproach of God, turned us from the Most High and spoiled His image in us. And the last question expanding on this. What are the final causes or the fruit of His passion? The glory of God and our salvation. The knowledge of the greatness of sin pertains to the first, the glory of God. And our justification belongs to the second, our salvation. Hence, we know that death is not hurtful to the godly and is therefore not to be feared. Question answer 38. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Though innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge, and so he freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. And so here's our sinuses exposition of question answer 38. Mention is made of Pilate in Christ's passion first because Christ obtained from this judge the testimony of his innocence. Second, that we might know, though he was declared innocent by Pilate, condemned by that of a regular judgment. And third, that we might be impressed by the fulfillments of prophecy. So we ask an overarching question for this 
catechetical question. Why was it necessary that Christ should, should suffer under a judge, even a human judge, and be condemned under the ordinary course of the law? And so Sinus has two answers to this, that we may know that he was condemned of God himself on account of our sins to make satisfaction for us so that we may be delivered from judgment. And two, secondly, that Christ might obtain a testimony of his innocence from the very judge by whom he was condemned. If you remember, Pilate said, I find no guilt in this person, reflecting who Christ is in himself. Last question and answer, 39. Does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? He answers, yes. Thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me. For a crucified one was cursed by God. And here is his exposition. If Christ was crucified, then he was taken, then it was taken upon himself the cursed. Because the death of the cross was a figure or a sign of the curse. And not only so, but he was also endured the curse for us, inasmuch as he was righteous in himself. God willed that his son should endure the punishment of such an ignominious death for these most satisfactory reasons. Therefore, that we might know that the curse upon him was on account of our sins. Secondly, that the punishment might thus be made the heavier so that we, confirmed in our faith, can confidently believe that Christ, by his death, has taken upon himself our guilt and endured the curse on our behalf that he might deliver us therefrom. Third, that we might be excited to greater gratitude comparing our infinitely heinous sin to the most bitter death of the only begotten Son of God. And fourth, that he, that we may know that all the types of suffering are all fulfilled in Christ. And he ends it beautifully. What, therefore, is it to believe in Christ crucified? It is to believe, it is to believe that Christ was made subject to the curse for me, that he might deliver me therefrom. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Catechism Thursday, number 15 on the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. I hope you guys learned about the suffering of Christ, what nature suffered, how the divine and human interact in this suffering, and what this means for us. I hope you guys tune in next Monday as we have Dr. Cornelis Venema from Mid-America Reform Seminary speaking to us about reform systematic theology, how it differs from biblical theology, and how it takes all of our un understanding, all the information shown to us in the Bible, and compresses it in a concise way so that we have a better understanding of our own faith. So I hope you guys tune in next Monday for the Good Grace Gratitude Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. 
we bridge the gap to reformed theological truth. Please subscribe to us on your podcast catcher. Review us. Give us five stars. Help others find this podcast through your review. Find us on Instagram and Twitter if you want to follow us there. Keep up with our updates and who we're interviewing next and a couple quotes that you guys might find really enriching. We hope to see you guys next week.